Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Five Coles and Hoaglander to be both reckless. As Coronado passes on a turnover in the slot of the Vancouver zone, the Flames score again. Bad puck management. Noah Juleson tried to centering pass. There's a force wide the corner by Jet Wu. Try to center and beat. Gets back to the left point. Hannafin shoots. He scores! A 92.9 mile per hour slap shot for the line by Noah Hannafin. And the Flames make it 7 to nothing. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Wu, one-timer stop by Markstrom. Rebound sitting in front. Irwin after it came to Studnika. And Markstrom robbed him with a right pad. Jack Stanika looks to the heavens as the puck landed right on his tape in the left circle. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks routed in Calgary, a 10-0 defeat at the hand of the Flames. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show. Satyar Shaw and Bick Nazar on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650. You can always interact with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. If you wish, you can also call in 604-280-0650 or one 275 650 We are going to hook up with Randy Janda in just a moment to break this game down. But Bick, if your you are summation... In, yes. If you are texting in, please try to clean up the language so we can do it. We don't have to do it on the fly. Yes. Please, because there's already a couple of texts. I'm like, all right, we got to edit this one. We got to edit this one. Uh, if you thought rage would not be in the cards <laughs> after game one of the preseason, you would you would be wrong. Look, I'm only having a chuckle because it's preseason. Yes, this isn't good. I mean, and I understand lineups, all that sort of stuff, but AHLers, NHLers, notwithstanding, ten nothing is really bad. It's not great. It's not great. Last year, they started the preseason off by losing 6 nothing in Calgary and had a very similar lineup, actually, if you go back and look at mm-hmm. who played. And the Flames also had a pretty veteran lead in lineup, and they made it easy. It work was a split-squad game. Right. Calgary yeah. played here as well. So, But... Six nothing is different than ten. <laughs> yeah, ten nothing. It's pretty rough. And uh, one of the gentlemen calling the game, Randy Janda, alongside Brendan Bachelor, joins us now. And Randy, it's one of those nights where. It was such a lopsided score, but also very lopsided lineups. The Calgary Flames had a number of stars, a number of key players. The Canucks had, I mean, you could make the case that when the opening night roster begins, that maybe only Dakota Joshua would be on the actual opening night lineup. And even that, depending on how the battles go, could be to some sort of question. So real disparity between the two lineups. But it was hard to find too many positives in this one for the Canucks. Uh, yeah, boys, I might be having nightmares with goal calls in my dreams tonight <laughs> after uh, after that one. But ten nothing. Anytime you see that score line, it, it's a it's a rough one, right? And it's a difficult spot to be in for this team because, of course, you play you know the hardest you possibly can, but there is a difference in quality. You know, one team is a near AHL squad where Nazem Kadri in those first twenty minutes was acting like this was a regular season game. He's throwing body checks. He's getting the in the crease. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau is playing his style of game, and you give him room, he's going to make you pay. We saw that. Matt Coronado, another player that is going to be probably featuring pretty prominently on this Flames team. Like These are skilled guys, and for the Canucks, it's a, a group of young players that are trying to figure out the system, trying to you know play with structure, but you could see it was pretty disjointed because they're still learning. They're still you know getting that education, so to speak, as Rick Tockett has put it. So it, it's, this was a tough one, no question about that. Um, but you know, it can only go up from here based on the fact that this is a, a team that really did send out a, a pretty bare bones team uh, to take part in this one. Yeah, it just kind of quickly eyeballing the 
the the the groupings. So you're talking about eight guys on the Flames that are either top six or top four pairings, and none, I would say, for the Vancouver Canucks, unless you consider Akito Hirose a top four D, which, hey, I'd be here for that conversation. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Randy... I don't know if we're there yet, but... <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, so, who, like... How do you try to take some positives out of this, trying to evaluate someone and be like, oh, here, there's, there's a handful of moments in this. Who are those guys that you're looking at and saying, hey, this guy did this, that it's something that you can carry on moving forward? Yeah, overall team game, you can't really judge that, right? Because as I mentioned, to me, it was a, it was a disjointed effort, but there's individual plays that you look back at. And I, I go back to, you know, the younger players or players that are potential, uh, you know, in battles that those are the guys that I want to focus on. So one player that stood out, I know you guys talked about him in, in one of the intermissions, Atu Ratu. I thought he had some good moments. Uh, there's you know, winning the board battles. Uh, the question about his skating is always going to be one that he's going to have to answer uh, going, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whether it's the next couple of years. But, you know, I liked how he engaged in those battles. He wasn't backing down and he had a, a chance in transition as well, which is something you don't necessarily see uh, from him as he's trying to improve that skating. So I thought there were moments there for him. I think Niels Hoaglander, you know, for, uh, unfortunately, Gilbert gets injured on that play. But for Niels, that's the way that the Canucks want him to play. Shoulder to shoulder, not backing down, uh, making a play. Good moments, but also we saw some bad, right? Puck management from Niels Hoaglander. A couple of moments where you're looking at to say, all right, bit of a blind pass through the neutral zone. McWard ends up taking a hooking penalty as a result of that. So... I think there was a couple of players that you're saying, okay, that, that's what you want to see. The team game wasn't working. The puck possession, the offensive zone wasn't working. Uh, defensively, yeah, they were out of shape. There was, there was not much of a shape there. But, you know, are there certain traits that certain players have to show if they're going to win their battles? I think Hoaglander showed a little bit. He also showed maybe what might hold them back from winning a, a roster position. And long-term, for Atu Ratu, I think that's... What you want to see from him, he's going to marinate in the NHL for probably a year. Uh, let him do that with Suter and now Teddy Bluger playing at the NHL level. Niels Oman's going to be there too. Uh, but a couple of players that I thought had good moments. And, you know, overall, guys, uh, the rest, it was, it was a difficult one where, you know, they were, they were lacking that shape. And, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's just you're playing a really good team that's not taking a, a you know, they're playing on their toes. They're ready. They're, there's NHL players that have played, you know, in some cases, you know, four or 500 games, and, and they want to set the tone early on in the game, and that's what the Flames did. Yeah, no, they absolutely absolutely did. And I think, you know, we, we joked about, about Akita Hirose a little bit. I thought he played well, too, and there's a couple of positives you can take away from some of the performances. From a team perspective, not really. When you lose 10 nothing, right, they had some breakdowns. They had a lot of mistakes. The PK yep. didn't look great. The power play obviously went 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 by the time the end of the game came to an end. So there, were, there weren't a lot of positives from that standpoint either. And I don't want to get too negative because, again, there's a huge disparity between the lineups when it comes to individual performances, but some individuals did kind of struggle. And, I, and if we're looking at some defensemen here that, you know, could be knocking on the door, so to speak, I thought Noah Juleson had a particularly difficult night. Jet Wu for, you know, we, we saw him in training camp and he looked pretty good in camp in the scrimmage, but he was really having a tough night tonight and had a hard, had a tough go of it. I think those guys in particular, considering the battle on the back end, I don't think they acquitted themselves too well. What did you think of the battle on the back end? Yeah, looking at the right-hand side specifically, you mentioned Juleson. That pass on the Coronado, I believe it was the 6-0 goal. 
uh, where he just basically passes into the skates of Dryden Hunt and leads to Coronado's goal. Like that one, you know, that's rough coming from a, a veteran player where he's wearing an A tonight. He's a leader. And it, it, hey, listen, I get it. it's the first preseason game, but you don't want to see that from a, a player that maybe he's doing more in today's game because, you know, he's not playing alongside of Quinn Hughes or or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that's that's a tough one, right? That's going to be going to be looked at and it's going to be probably uh, assessed based on the fact that he's in a camp battle so he had a rough one no question about that and I think with uh, Jet Wu uh, we saw where he was caught flat-footed yeah. um, through the neutral zone on on that Nazem Kadri goal or sorry the Huberdeau goal where where Kadri just blows past him uh, but even on the PK it was it was a difficult one on the Connor Zeri goal where he's kind of stretched and Matt Irwin has to lean over to his side mm-hmm. because Wu's beaten by Ruzicka and Connor Zeri's basically left all alone. So, you know, some of those things, I think when you're Adam Foote after the game, when you're going to use those as teaching moments to say, hey, you know, in that moment, you can uh, you have to make a decision in neutral zone. Are you going to be able to get the puck or the body on Nazem Kadri? And if you can't, play it safe. You know, you take, you take that chance in the neutral zone, you get neither Kadri or the puck, and that's putting your defensive partner in a very, very difficult situation. And I think there was a couple of learning experiences, probably for every Canuck out there, but uh, both Noah Juleson and, and Jet Wu had a, a tough time. And what does that mean on the right-hand side? You know, if we see, uh, you know, depending on how the, the pairing shake out here, guys, uh, we all assume that a lefty would play on the right-hand side. But now with camp going on and, and Rick Tockett talking about, hey, somebody's got to wow him to, to play on the offside, uh, you do wonder about, you know, where that extra defenseman will be. Will it be on the right-hand side or left-hand side? Uh, I think the two righties probably uh, didn't have the, the best of games. And, and Matt Irwin had some moments too, but, you know, as a veteran, it, it was it kind of all balanced out, even though he had some good moments standing up for his team. Uh, when you're bat- that bad defensively as a team, I think everybody kind of takes an L on it. An interesting kind of camp battle uh, emerging is uh, lower down the center depth chart, uh, Suter versus Nils Oman. Um, you know, just thoughts on those two guys tonight. Uh, you know, kind of interesting, I guess, from Suter, uh, a couple of moments. But, you know, again, it, it's hard in a game like this to, to kind of outline uh, who looked really special. But uh, just your thoughts on those two players. Yeah, I think with Niels Oman, like, he's going to work hard whenever he's on the ice. And the question we've had about him going back to last year when there was less center depth on the bottom end, um, especially when it came to the fourth line, it was, will he... Pre- be able to provide offense, right? And that's where, with Suter, we assume that he's going to give you a little bit more. But today, you know, there's a couple of defensive plays that he made early on in the game that were kind of last-ditch efforts, getting in the shooting lane. I like to see that, but when the score is 10 nothing, uh, you kind of forget about those after a while. But So there's, you know, certain moments that he showed that defensive prowess, but I think with Niels Oman, he's one of those guys we've forgotten about where, you know, at the end of last year, we all said, all right, add some depth and, and bring him into camp so he's got somebody to compete with. Uh, I think, you know, Suter's going to be the guy that is going to have, no, no doubt about it, he's going to have the, probably the benefit of the doubt because you're a free agent signing. He, you know, he's played at the NHL level more consistently. He scored some goals, uh, three straight seasons of 14 goals or more. But Niels Oman's not out of this discussion, right? This is a guy that has size. He plays on a duo with Dakota Joshua. They had some good success. And 
today, I think he had moments. Um, he played well, you know, relatively speaking to the scoreline. And with Suter, some good defensive moments. But I think this is, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think this is uh, a low-key battle. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, the wingers maybe further up the lineup or in the middle of the lineup or the defensemen. But I think it's something to watch based on the fact that, you know, there are maybe some players, and Rick Tockett uh, mentioned with Batch in the one-on-one that, still have some way to go with conditioning. So if there's somebody that's kind of sliding, uh, Niels Oman could take the job, whether it's at the center position or the wing. Yeah, it could very very well happen. And it's, and it's not like, you know, some of these guys are standing out that much. I thought Jack Studnika was one of the standouts in camp and in the scrimmage. And he had some moments, particularly particularly early in the third, where, you know, he had that chance in, almost, uh, in, in, in on goal. He had a couple other chances in the first and second period. But he didn't really impose himself on the game the way I, I had hoped. So... These are the guys we're talking about breaking through. And yes, you can blame the lineup all you want. But at the same time, you kind of want to see a bit more from guys that are really fighting for, for roster spots, considering the desperation they need to be showing. No doubt. And, you know, we can look at the team game and say, OK, if you look at the roster, it's very difficult to pick moments where they maybe had stretches of five or ten minutes. But, you know, as an individual, could you get and be aggressive on the the forecheck? Did you, you know, at least do your job? And coming in with speed as an F1 or, you know, and I look at Vasily Podkolzin, who's another player that uh, is, there's a microscopic is out on him right now just to see what he can do in the preseason. And, I, I you know, you barely noticed him, right? Where it was a moment, um, I think he got caught on the ice a couple of times and it was not his fault necessarily in the sense that, you know, the Canucks were in their defensive zone a lot. They weren't able to change, but from the the way that the Canucks want to see him in the offensive zone, being aggressive on the forecheck, ferocious is a word that we've heard with Niels Hoaglander. Uh, you want to see something kind of similar and full of confidence at the very least with Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, it's a tough night for that. You're playing an NHL squad. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, did they have those flashes of brilliance uh, or that really that flash of, okay, there you go. That, you know, Maybe you didn't see it very much, but there's something uh, from Vasily. Uh, I didn't really see that from him either, and he didn't you know, look all that confident. It's tough to look confident when you get beat like that, but there wasn't even those moments where you're saying, okay, he's just going to tap into that a little bit more. Uh, so that's another player I'm looking at the next preseason game. Whenever he does end up playing, um, do you see a little bit more maybe mm-hmm. with more NHL players on the roster with him? Yeah, you would ho- certainly hope so, but yeah, a bit too passive from Put Colson. Mm-hmm. I do agree, agree with you with that. Randy, great stuff. I wish the first one would have been a bit better to talk about, but it's good to be back chatting with you after the game, and we look forward to chatting with you throughout the preseason, but obviously, most importantly, during the regular season. Great stuff tonight alongside Brennan Bachelor. Thanks, guys. And, and one is done. Just forget about this. Yes. We'll flush it and just come back uh, strong on, on Wednesday, right? Uh, exactly. Uh, thanks very much. That's Randy Janda, and, and, he, and he's right. I mean, there were no points on available tonight and the Canucks didn't lose any points in the standings that's a positive just but jobs and evaluations on compete level that's all 100% uh, a lot of great reaction on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 and it, there are people that that you know are obviously taking it in stride making jokes but also people that are that are pretty upset or unimpressed this one says everyone Stop making excuses. This is why this franchise is where they are. Own it. You got destroyed. Be better. No more excuses. That's one unsigned text. And a few other ones, too. Jokes for 60. The only thing worse tonight than the Denver Broncos was the Vancouver Canucks. (laughs) The Broncos gave up, what, 70 points to the Dolphins? Doesn't even sound real. Yeah, but that happened. That happened. 70 points. Yeah. Unreal. But that did happen. But you know what doesn't sound real? 10 goals. (laughs) 10 goals. That also doesn't sound uh, too real. 70 points is 10 touchdowns. Yeah, it's, yeah, there you go. 
Exactly. 10 goals, 10 touchdowns. There you go. Uh, the Knucks should have stuffed three or four players to fill up their own net and block the goal line. The score may have been lower. That's one unsigned text. All right. Keep your text messages coming in. We'll take your phone calls on the other side as well. 604-280-0650 or toll free one 888 It's Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Canucks lose 10 nothing in Calgary to start the preseason. More coming up on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Back to more Canucks Central post-game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Left side for Hannafin. Pressure by Suter. We're coming your board for Ruzicke. Into the slot for Dubé. Right circle. Coronado scores! The hat-trick goal for Matt Coronado, and the Flames have put up a 10 spot on the Vancouver Canucks in the preseason opener. Canucks get routed in Calgary to start the preseason. 10-0 by the Flames, and this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and, and as always, get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We are also going to get to some of your phone calls, so please hang on to your line. We'll get to you coming up here, and we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett. All that's coming up momentarily. Uh, we take you to the bottom of the hour, and once the regular season begins, you get the full two-hour postgame show. A bit Let's get in on what the people are saying on the text inbox. It's a lot of fire. It is. <laughs> uh, again, we, we do the jokes for 60. Yes. I'm already thinking about the NHL draft in 2024. <laughs> Team Tank uh, for some more serious ones. Uh, Brendan in the U.S. Not worried about that one because of the lineups. Calm down, everybody. Uh, Puff says can't be too upset over the L. Seeing the roster was that was put out in comparison to Calgary, but... Never feels great to give up 10. I feel bad for Shilovs. Uh, there was some he maybe could have gotten, but there was too many bad turnovers that he had no chance. And this one, uh, another jokes per 60. Talk, it's got to be feeling like Milton Waddams without any staplers. <laughs> Good office Very space good. reference. That's a really good office space reference. So, yeah, we have jokes per 60. And apparently the coach got in on jokes per 60 as well. We'll tell you uh, what that's all about uh, in just a moment's time. This one here says, thanks to the Canucks for getting a new feeling about the team. Fan for 50 years was was there for Western League Championship. This team has very little class. Sending a team like this to play an NHL game is a real disappointment in judgment. Another wasted year to look forward to. Our goalie gets run over by Kadri. No one stood up to him. This team is a joke. No jam. So a lot of, you know, some frustration, some palpable frustration coming in on the text inbox as well. We'll get to more of your thoughts as the show goes on. We're gonna, we are going to get to head coach Rick talking in a moment. They have five more games to go. I would imagine we see some cuts. I mean, they have another group still in Vancouver. Not all those guys are going to play. So it depends on, you know, how they feel about numbers. But uh, some of these guys are still going to play at least one more game for them to get through the rest of this schedule here. So, um, yeah, I get it. And, hey, I understand the frustration. You know, people have been through this before. They're saying, I'm not going to get fooled again. Here's a 10 nothing loss to start the preseason. I'm a bit frustrated, so we'll see if the Canucks can right the ship pretty quickly in the preseason before we, we get to the regular season. Um, before we get to more of your text messages, we mentioned the head coach, Rick Tockett. Let's hear what Rick Tockett had to say. The Canucks lose 10 nothing in Calgary, and here is the head coach after the game. Some guys were working. They worked hard. It's, um, you know, some... It was a little rich. <clears throat> they had a great lineup, but some some of our guys were a little rich for them right there. And we just, you know, you got to learn. You know, you got to learn from your your mistakes and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of giveaways. Obviously, the power play, power play goals. 
then you're chasing the game. You guys were trying. They're, listen, they were trying. Seemed like you guys did find your footing with about five minutes left in the first until about the halfway part of the second period uh, when there was yeah. five on five since they play. Yeah, I mean, we're being, you know, in these type of games, you try to play simple. Um, and then, you know, what happens, you know, obviously they get another power play goal, then guys start chasing and stuff, then get out of, get out of the system. You know, three or four guys are playing man on man out there when we started to panic, and that's what I don't like. Like, just stick with the system. But, but like I said, it, it's a learning. I know people want to hear, it, but it is a learning experience. These guys are young guys, and you gotta, you know, you teach them, keep teaching. You see a score like that after two. Are you looking for as much attitude as anything in the third period? Yeah, I mean, you look, you're obviously looking on bench. The guys who are not quitting. I didn't see anybody quit. I mean, guys were making mistakes, but they weren't quitting. You know. Pull some positives out. Neil's Hoglander, you said you want to see him be a pest in the forecheck. That's yeah, I, I thought he, you know, I thought he was uh, one, of the, you know, one of the positives tonight. He's just got to learn, can't try to stick handle through, like when, don't get frustrated and stick through handle through, guys. You just got to stay stay in yourself. That, that's the next level for him. But I, I, I do like the uh, his effort. And that is the head coach, Rick Tockett, after the game. Mentioned Neil's Hoglander, liked his effort, but. You know, also some plays where don't get frustrated, don't try to straight stick handle through three or four different players. There was a play in the third period where yeah. retrieves the puck in the defensive zone, which is nice, gets past the first guy around the faceoff circle, and then as he's pushing through towards the blue line, Canucks are clearly changing. Tries to take it in between two guys and gets poked free, and like they're caught in this change and they have to stay back now. It's it's like a play like that. We talked about a couple other moments, um, maybe overhandling and and not moving the puck thereafter. As far as total effort, had the nice play against Gilbert. Um, again, that to me is just a hockey play. I know Gilbert goes off hurt, but that to me, that's a hockey play. Low man wins, and he put uh, a body into Gilbert. Good effort play there. I, I would I would agree the you know consistently skating tonight in a night where there's not a lot of positives. Okay, that's one for Nils Hoaglander. I kind of disagree on the idea that, like, oh, there was no quit tonight. Like, 10 nothing is still 10 nothing, man. Yes. When And when guys are making the same mistakes over and over again, and, like, there's a way to manage the game to get the clock moving a bit faster. They didn't really do that. The, the, the Flames are coming downhill the whole evening. So... Across the roster, is it fair to say, like, guys gave the consistent effort? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I mean, uh, maybe that's just lip service. Maybe it's, there, I mean, there were a couple of guys we mentioned. Rob yeah, to too, be fair, right? he's not going to bury the guys in preseason and be like, oh, you're going down to the AHL tomorrow. Like, he's not really going to do that. No, and also, like, you can also make the case that he knows it's a pretty good Calgary lineup and he yes. dresses a pretty, you know, porous lineup. So it's like, did you put them in a position, you know, to have any success? Not really. And I know a lot of people are texting in about that. 650, 650. A lot of texts coming in throughout the course of the evening just saying, hey, the optics of this don't really look that great. I know it's zero impact on the regular season, but hardly any any any, any NHLers. It's not a good look. Very poor optics put these guys in this situation. I'm trying to sum up a bunch of different texts that came in from different people. But there's a lot of that sentiment. Here's the thing. This does happen often early in preseason. Like, literally last year, Canucks sent a very similar group. Much of the same players you saw even here tonight played in Calgary last year in a 6 nothing loss. This one, again, got out of hand. But this is kind of what happens, especially on the road. Right. You're generally going to send out a weaker lineup. You're, 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 you're 
primary player is going to play in front of your home crowd. That's what Calgary did tonight. Yeah, no, they did. And you'll see the same thing in Vancouver, most likely, in, in a couple of these preseason games towards Next the Next Saturday. And you'll probably see some of the lineups coming in not be all that great. That's just kind of part of what happens in preseason. You still can't let games fall apart the way they have. And that's a bit of a problem here, obviously. Losing 10 I would imagine, this is just me guessing, the trip down to Seattle on the 28th. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one where the the main group kind of goes, but they play in the 30th here at home as well. Plus, they play in Abbotsford yes. uh, on the 4th. So you're going to have to find some spots to get the main guys in at some point, but it might be like this on the road. Yes, and that's just kind of the reality of how these things kind of go. And he didn't really single anybody else out. He mentioned Hoaglander. And it's kind of tough to, outside of Hoaglander, some moments like we mentioned, but obviously some bad, even like he himself mentioned, the head coach. But outside of Hirose and Ratu, who we went on about a bit earlier in, in, in the pregame show, and also, I mean, during intermission, and also spoke about him with Randy, he had a really strong game. But outside of those guys, it's hard to really pinpoint anybody else. How much do you think put Colson hurt his effort tonight to make the team? Yeah. Now, now okay. For, with put Colson, did have a moment where uh, I think it was Tanev that he bumped into and kind of goes through the um, the net. Right. So maybe he was smarting after that, but it's not like he did fantastic stuff before that even. Um, and then late in the first, took a hit along the boards and looked like it was a 19-second shift in the last minute of the first period. And he just kind of skated right to the bench. So maybe that play hindered the rest of his game. But there were moments in the first period, even before him going to the net and that play along the boards, where like that's not the facility but Colson we've seen. The, the encouraging bit for the past couple of years is you could see him thinking, but he would still commit to ideas and and really move his feet. You know, he's an extremely ferocious player. He's willing to get after it and play with some physicality. Do we see like a, a, a player that's dripping with desire to get into the NHL lineup? Not really. Like that's as much as we're talking about, like Nils Hoaglander made some mistakes, but the effort was there. I didn't see effort from Vasily Podkolzin tonight. I didn't see the effort that we you mentioned we saw in the past. And also, just the decisiveness, which is something the coach has been mentioning about. It seems like the more they've talked to him about being decisive, the more indecisive he is. Sure. That's almost what it seems like. The, the, the overload of information. And he's almost thinking too much now. Yeah. And then, um, you know how we mentioned this team at times last year? It's like they're overthinking so much they're just kind of paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it looks like Podkolzin's playing like half the time. He's the one that looked most like what we saw from the Canucks at the beginning of last season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very confused. And I think that was a bit of a tough night for him in that in that instance. Uh, Putski in the loops. Other than Hirose, all those D, including Irwin, should not be in the NHL to start the season. They were terrible. Uh, and this one says, last year ain't a recipe for success. If this happened last year, that's not what we want to follow in the footsteps of. So No. No, definitely not. Um, Rick Tockett had a bit of a joke. Sportsnet Murph, Dan Murphy tweeted out, uh, that right after the game, right before the media availability, which was a short one, began, he said, I feel like Sean Payton. We were just joking. It's like, <laughs> hey, 70 spot, basically like the like the Broncos. Yeah. And uh, he, he made reference of it. Yes, he, he certainly did. Uh, all right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we'll get to more of that. Uh, let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650. We have time for a couple before we get out. Let's go to Jake and Langley. Jake, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Happy man. new season time, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a few things. Uh, I actually think McWard was the best defenseman tonight for the Canucks. Uh, 
more so than Hirose. Really liked the way he moved the puck. Thought he was pretty confident throughout pretty much the entire game. I didn't, of course, there's a giant truck beside me. One second. All right. And uh, so that's the first thing. And, you know, obviously the, the, the fact that it's preseason, it doesn't really mean anything whatsoever. I do find it interesting why they didn't put the whole Garland, Tia Sutter, and uh, Archdeep Baines line today. I thought they had quite a bit of chemistry in the scrimmage and they had quite a bit of chemistry in training camp. So I think maybe Archdeep Baines is probably the happiest person that <laughs> today because I think his odds of making the team just has increased. Honestly, truly. So happy new season, guys, and take care. Yeah, uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Jake and Langley calling in. I, I'd be curious to see where Baines kind of gets usage here in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Do you need to carry over everything from training camp into this first preseason game with this mixture of a list uh, of players? No, but again, an, an interesting exclusion uh, for Archdeep uh, yeah. in, in preseason game one. Uh, yeah, and I wonder too, though, because they are going to have a, a bit of a lesser lineup still, some of these games. And the fact that Archdeep Baines did skate with Teddy Bluger and, and Connor Garland at times, I wonder if they want to throw those guys together the next game. So I think it's an okay look for him, but obviously... You know, I, I don't think him playing tonight or not playing tonight is an indication one way or another. No, as far as like making the roster. Yeah. But I, I am interested in like who like the, the younger players that didn't play tonight. Yes. We'll see what type of opportunities they get. I would imagine he plays with Blue Grid next game coming up. Uh, all right. We have time for one more phone call. Let's go to Lions Bay where Jose is on the line. Jose, thanks for calling in. And what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. You know, I uh, I watched the game and. Before the game, I was on Twitter, and I saw Sportsnet 650's own Dan Riccio post the lineup for the Canucks, and then I looked at what Calgary was putting out, and I went, well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and I got to say, I mean, like, it wasn't a surprise. And I think my first comment is, guys, like, I mean, I don't understand why Rick Tockett would actually put a lineup like this, knowing that the Huberdos, the Caudries, Markstrom's in goal, you know, at the very least, they could have actually paired Silas with either dismissed or maybe Demko. They could have at least thrown out Heronic and Susie as their relatively new players that, you know, maybe need a look. But just to add a little bit of stability, um, if it is some kind of amazing coaching genius play, I don't know if it really is. I mean, I, I, I'm, I just saw a lot of players out there that looked disenchanted and kind of like hard <laughs> Just, they just look really disappointed, quite frankly, as well, too. It did give an opportunity to see who would really step up in, with this kind of David and Goliath sort of situation. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there were some players that looked okay out there. Hiroshi did, for sure. McWard actually wasn't bad either. He made some nice defensive plays. Um, a couple of other comments, too. You know, for those that have said, Arthur Silov is ready to be an NHL backup. Guys, 18 shots, seven goals let in. I, I know the team in front of him wasn't hot. And he was facing an NHL veteran lineup. But I got to say, I mean, we cannot assume that one AHL season and two world championships is going to be enough. Uh, If Dr. Demko gets injured for a period of time, I love Silas, and I'm hoping he's going to play this season, but I don't know if he's ready. And we saw that today, and that's why. And I know Vic was mentioning this last year. Do you really need a veteran NHL backup uh, last season, and I, I actually called and said, I think you do. I, I'm kind of happy they got a guy like Casey this Smith, but maybe I could be wrong. A um, couple of other super quick comments. Uh, I really noticed Stadnika. I don't know what happened to that guy over the summer, but he looks like he is driven. 
he looks like he wants a job. Um, I got to tell you, Vasily Podkolson, I, I didn't see that. And, you know, when you get a lineup like this, but when Podkolson is in this lineup, he's got two seasons with a fair number of NHL games. This is when you have to step up and be a leader, you know, for the Max Sassons, the Linus Carlson's on your team as well. And I was disappointed. I will say there's a lot of teaching going on, a lot of systems instruction. The one red flag I sometimes get worried about, my final comment, is there's so much emphasis on teaching and systems that it's taking away from some of the creative flow for the players. Anyways, guys, good to hear both your voices. Back to you. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Jose and Lions Bay calling in. And obviously, there's going to have to be uh, a number of things they have to do. But as far as, as far as goaltending goes, it's tough to really pin this one on Shilovs. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're looking at... Reasons to maybe unseat Casey to Smith, and obviously the first one's not going to go a long way in doing that. No, this is a a rough one for Shilovs, not because he played poorly. There's just nothing to take away from. This is kind of like when last season, January, you know, people are arguing. It's like, hey, Spencer Martin, he's he's not an NHL backup goalie. It's like, well, there, there, there's nothing to evaluate. The team's playing defensively the, that way. It's the same same thing tonight. There's turnovers right in front of Shilovs. Not very good D zone coverage at times, and just passive defensive work. And when that happens, yeah, the goalie's going to get exposed, and mm-hmm. he's going to give up a handful of goals. It's it's tough, and and Sachenko comes in not much better. Um, so it, it, it's tough to view the goalies and say, hey, this is something we're going to use to evaluate you uh, in the preseason. Um, I, I look at that and just say, just move on and and see if he's another spot. But again, we're talking about someone that's going to play. Worst case scenario, eight, ten games for you. Yes. So it's it's still about the the long term play with she loves. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, a couple of text messages to get to here before we get out for the evening. Alan Calgary, I thought Joshua looked pretty bad. Dude was too busy fighting Garland to practice properly. Well, he got into it with Connor Garland after getting a bit of a slew foot by him in practice, and that's why he kind of acted out that way. But yes, I thought he had a bit of a tough night. We mentioned him on the PK. He kind of, you know, overcommits, creates space, which leads to that Huberto goal where he undresses Noah Juleson in front of the net and, and puts it past Arthur Shilovs. So I thought for him as a veteran that you kind of look for who to build on last here didn't really do anything positive in this game no um like that's one that's kind of disappointing because like there's one where you can you know be physical and and, and you've got the profile to be physical in a game like this is there an element hey let's just get through this preseason but at the same time it's like just show a little bit of spirit like he is a player that can at least put a a body through someone and and that's when i look at it's like you're, you're meant to be one of the leaders of the guys playing tonight you're you're kind of fighting for ice time as well because where he's placed in the lineup, I I think there's a chance that you know he's a fourth liner, third liner, but you'd like to see a bit more spirit from someone like that. That's clearly going to be in the NHL. No, I agree with that as well, and that's going to be some some of the things to kind of keep an eye on. So that's the first preseason game into the books here. Canucks lose ten nothing in Calgary against the Flames, and well, they have five more to go and a lot more to evaluate, and we'll see how the rest kind of unfolds. Bick, what's happening on the People Show tomorrow? Back at it, uh, 2 o'clock, I think, tomorrow? Oh, nice. I think. Uh, 2 o'clock or 3, 3 to 4? I, I can't remember. I think it's 3 to 4. I, either way, we look forward yeah. to hearing you on the People Show. Thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory, our producer, Brendan Ambassador, and Randy Janda on the call. To all of you for uh, being a part of the show, we always appreciate it. Can't wait to get back at it again. I'll be back on Canuck Central with Dan Riccio. And this has been Canuck Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.